Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. I'm Bobby Smith. This is Caleb Meeks. Caleb's one of our pastors on staff here. Um, And we have been in a series called Rhythms. And uh, we're going to kind of kind of wrap this whole thing up today with uh, the last rhythm. And we're going to talk about this concept called serving. And so, but I just want to get everybody on the same sheet of music because I know that some of you maybe have missed a week or maybe a couple weeks and I'll just get you up to speed what we've been talking about. So week one, we talked about God's word and we talked about the rhythm of God's word in our life and, and how when we have that, it becomes a light and it becomes a, uh, in, in a dark place, it becomes a shield to us to protect us from things. And so we looked at God's word and developing that rhythm in our life of reading God's word every day, doing something in God's word. Week two, we talked about community. Um, and one of the things that's really been exciting since that day is that community has it's just been, it's jacked up around here. Um, this past week, we had 100, and how many do we have at Tuesday night? The, um, we had 142. 142 at the Connect Groups, and that's amazing to me. And before that, on, our, on our, um, our night for getting involved in a small group, we had another like 100 there that night, and we're 30-something during the daytime, and then we're starting a brand new uh, young group adults, today, uh, Young Adults, today, right? After third service, um, if you're between the ages of 18 or 30, or still wish you were, um, we have a Young Adults <laughs> gathering starting this afternoon. Um, 58-year-olds are allowed to pray from afar and support it, so... You're good to go. It's my last day working here, but it's been good knowing you. Well, like I said, um, Caleb is no longer with us. <laughs> it's been good. To, no, he's, he's been here for a while. So it's, it's been exciting. So we looked at community. And the last two, two weeks, I'm, I'm thankful that we're at a church that we can tackle tough subjects. Yeah. And we, took, we tackled the, the subject of treasuring our treasures, the week one, of just our view on money and materialism, how greed has changed the world we live in. And God's people shouldn't be that way. And then last week, we looked at the concept of giving. That was another rhythm. And so the rhythm today is about this thing called serving. And I, I just want to kind of, in, in line with what we're going to talk about, and I've said this before from this stage, but I want to kind of word it a little, a little differently. I, I've, I've asked the question uh, to our church, um, like, if you had one week to live, what would you do with that one week? And, you know, you can still think about that. But I, I really, this past couple, three weeks, I've been looking at, at the life of Jesus and how, how he spent his last, his last week, what he did. Like, just think about it. It says a lot about a, a person, about what you, if you know you're going to die, how are you going to spend that, that period of time? And so what we see Jesus did is Jesus huddles disciples together and he prayed for them. That's, you know, he, he got together with his closest friends. He, 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 he was still healing sick. And blind people that last week, though he knew he was going to go to a cross. And then the one that really today, and we're going to land here today, is he washed his disciples' feet. Like the, the, the very last act, the Passover meal happens, and the very last thing he does is he washes his disciples' feet. And we read about it in 1 John 13, 1. And he says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had, he, he had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And I love that. And if you have an analog Bible, I want you to underline that to the very end. That's really important. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, and he took off his robe, and he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, 
said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but one day you will or someday you will. Verse 8 says, no, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well. Lord, just not my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet for, to be entirely clean. And so you disciples are clean, but, but not all of you. For Jesus knew that one would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of us are clean. And after washing their feet, he put the robe back on again. He sat down and he asked this question. Do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and you call me Lord and you're right because that's what I am. He said, and since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. And he says, I tell you the truth, slaves are no greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends them. Now, what's happening right here? There's a couple different just, just details that sometimes we, we kind of pass over. And it's easy for us to get bogged down on the arrogant Peter that says, wash my whole body. That's a whole nother message, right? Like that's a whole nother series about arrogance and false humility. But what I look at is what Jesus did to his disciples because Jesus is wanting us to act and follow in the direction that he led us. Like I, I dare say this, and, and I don't want to say this, and I don't want anybody getting offended. Please do not send me an email about this. I thoroughly understand that this statement is as weak a statement as I could possibly make to try to get us to understand who Jesus is, okay? But this was the business plan of a CEO of a company. The business plan was for us to be servants, for him to be a servant, and that we were going to follow in his example. And so the CEO developed this marketing strategy, this plan to take care of his people, and it's been going on for thousands of years now. But what, what was really going on here? Jesus gets up from the meal, which is a little interesting to me because this act should have been done before the meal was even taking place. This should have already happened when the guests were walking the room because first century Palestine, we didn't have roads and we didn't have, have you know, cobblestones or we didn't have bricks. It was, it was dirt. It was, it was grass and it was cow manure and sheep manure. And they were walking through this. And so from about here up, they were clean, but from here down, they were dirty. So it was an act of a servant to stand up as they would walk in, almost like the, how you would say, hey, can I take your jacket from you? So a servant would be standing at the door and be waiting as you walked in. It wasn't humiliating, but a servant would, would lift up the pant leg or the, or the robe and he would wash his, the, the feet of the people that were coming in. It was, a, it was, active, it was active gratitude, it was active hospita hospitality. And so Jesus does this. Now, now I find that a little peculiar because here we have something really interesting taking place. The master is now being a servant. The master. He says, you call me teacher, you call me Lord, but now I'm going to show you what a servant looks like. And I've been thinking about this. Why, why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus do it, do it this way? Well, the first reason I think if we want to just kind of peel everything back is because nobody else did it. There was supposed to be somebody else in that place and nobody else did it. And it makes me think about how we serve in the world that we live in. Like seriously, sometimes if it's be below us, we'll never do it. Just because it's not getting done, well, you know, somebody else will do it. And you know another reason I think Jesus did this? I think he did it for those 12 men that were in the room that night so they would see what it meant to be a disciple. But he also did it because thousands of years later, 2024, we would have a conversation just like this about what it means to be a real disciple of Jesus, what it means to be a real servant of Jesus. 
And there's a couple real key things that I think that he wants us to know that we could walk out of here kind of a, as like, okay, I get this. And maybe the first one is Jesus wanted us to know the fullness of his love. What love really looked like? What does love look like in the world? We have a misconception looking at the world and looking at TV, what love is, what we see here. We see before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that the hour had come to leave this world and he returned to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry. And now, watch this, and he loved them to the very end. Now, I want you to think about something. Maybe you've never thought about this before, but who was in the room with him? Who, who was at that table with him? And Jesus knew everything was going to happen. Jesus knew he was going to die. He predicted, he predicted that one was going to betray him. One was going to turn him over. And a few minutes later, hours later, he would be betrayed and turned over to, to, the, to the Roman government. And then he, he knew that Peter was there too. That Peter would deny him three times. But yet, this is the thing that's fascinating about Jesus. And yet he still did that. He still watched. This. I would have skipped over those two. Right? It's true. But I think, I, I bet Jesus handled as much care as he did every other of the disciples. He, 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 he washed Judas' feet, maybe the, the last act where he could repent. But he ate and he washed his disciples' feet. Jesus came as a humble servant till the very end. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians and the message does a great job of illustrating what Jesus did for us. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind, the kind of a crucifixion. That's one of the reasons he did this, because he was going to show how faithful he was. In a world that we get canceled that fast, Jesus wasn't canceling us. The second thing that just makes me think through this a lot of times... Jesus wanted us to see. 2,000 years later, Jesus wanted then the disciples to see, you know, right in the moment, a Christian life modeled in real time. Not, not we heard from our father's father, but in real time he was, he was doing this so they could look and they, they could observe how Jesus was doing this. And see, he wants us to follow that same, same example. This is after washing their feet, he put a robe on again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that, that's, what, that's what I am. And, and since you're Lord and teacher, I've washed your feet. You ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I've, as I've done to you. And he says, I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than the masters, nor messengers, messengers more important than the one who sends them. He says, I want, I want you to model this. I want you to, to be this. Now, I'm going to ask a question. This is kind of weird. Anybody ever been to a foot washing service before? Oh, a handful. We're not having one today. I barely wash my own feet, <laughs> let alone. But you know, what a humbling act it must be. I, I remember years ago, and you, you were here, we had a sound guy that had been with us since the very first day we opened Journey, and I brought him up on stage, and I washed his feet, and I watched this guy weep like a baby. It's the most humbling thing. That's what Jesus was doing here. Jesus was demonstrating humility, and he wants us to demonstrate humility. I, I've had the privilege over the years to, um, because my brother used to work for a, a company called Premier, and they would bring in big concerts, so they would bring in big names of the time. So anybody ever heard of a band called DC Talk? Okay, so us older people. <laughs> Toby Mac? He used to be with DC Talk, okay? He was DC Talk. So we got a chance to bring him, and we brought in other bands, like, like anybody ever heard of a band called Third Day, Mac Powell? So we brought in Mac Powell. And I got to hang out 
with a lot of these big names. Big name preachers would come in and we would host them at the Bell Auditorium or um, we were hosting them at a thing called Atlanta Fest years ago where they'd have a hundred bands and all these big bands. And you know what always amazed me? We had it here. We, we had a, a pretty big name band in here one time and there's a thing called a contract and there's a thing called a rider. And the contract is what you're going to do, how much you're going to pay them, what they're going to do, how long they're going to be. But the rider is all the extra things that they wanted. And like, it was the weirdest thing. We, we, we only want green M&Ms. Like we had a band here, yeah. all dudes, we had to pick all, them out. all dudes. What we did? We had to pick out all the colors. No we had to pick out all the colors, but we, they wanted a case of Aquanet hairspray. <laughs> but but I watched I watched some of these people, and this is not not all of them. Okay, not every Christian, but I watched. They thought they were celebrities. They thought they were. They walked around like they were something. They would point their fingers in the, and I, I remember thinking that's not how Jesus would do anything. And when we're called to present the gospel in a way that they are, we present it with humility. And I think Jesus was trying to demonstrate in real time to these servants, like, listen, you're going to have to lay your life down. This Christianity thing, it's not easy. You're going to have to sacrifice. And I think 2,000 years later, we've got to understand the same exact thing. Jesus would do just the opposite to some of those celebrities or so-called celebrities if he was like literally face-to-face with him. He would say, listen, you're not a star. You're a servant. You're called to be a servant. And so that's the model that we have. So when we look at serving around journey, that's what we want to look at. And so Caleb, just like 2,000 years later, like how do we do this? The cool thing in scripture is that we actually get to see what happened after that. That's we true. Don't, we, don't get to, we don't have to guess and see like, oh, this would be a really cool concept to try out. We get to see 2,000 years of this actually being put into practice. It says again in John chapter 13, verse 15, in the middle of our passage, it says, for I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Basically, I've given you the blueprint. I've given you the playbook. I've given you the example. I've given you everything you need. And now it's up to you to actually put it into practice. And we see that in the CEO model kind of idea of someone illustrating something successful and people copying and pasting it is nothing new. We see it each and every day. If you're a football fan, you can track with me. If you're not a football fan, just follow me for a second. But usually what happens in sports is someone who is, who is very successful, anybody who is associated with them or worked with them gets a job. Arguably the greatest college football coach of all time, Kirby Nick Smart. Saban. Kirby Smart now. <laughs> Nick Saban, every time somebody coached with him, they would get pillaged and take a job somewhere else because they're like, hey, can you just take a little bit of what he did and copy and paste it over here? And now they do the same thing with Kirby Smart because he's so successful at Georgia. Like, hey, I'm going to take your assistants. I'm going to allow them to be coaches over here. But it's not just in sports. It's in businesses, too. You see people at Disney and Pixar and Apple. It's like, hey, you've been in these successful multi-million, billion-dollar companies. Can I just take one of these people and put them into my business because I've seen the example made and they've followed it and it's been successful? We see it each in, in our everyday lives as well, probably in your job. I know here, when I was an intern way back in the day, I was 18 years old, I had no idea what I was doing, how to communicate, and all of a sudden I sat down with Bobby and he taught me how he crafted a message. And if you were to look at our iPads up here, it looks like a coloring book. There's just colors all over this thing. And so I learned his model. And what it is, is every color tells us what's coming up next and transition statements and points and scriptures and all that kind of fun stuff. But it was a successful model that I copied and was able to emulate. So it's not a new concept. But the question is, are we willing to actually do it? Yeah. Jesus has given them this example, and the cool thing is they actually did it. And now they pass the baton on to us in our generation. So for 2,000 years, we've seen this successful. And here's kind of what happened over the next 2,000 years after Jesus gave them this example that night. Jesus goes on to be betrayed. He goes on to be put on trial, crucified on a cross. He raises from the dead. He spends a little bit more time on earth with the disciples. And then all of a sudden, he goes to heaven. And then the disciples are sitting there. Jesus is no longer with them, and it's all up to them. 
Because here's what could happen. They could have not followed this example and we wouldn't be sitting here right now. That's right. This Jesus guy would have just faded away. People probably would have talked about him for a couple years and no one would have ever known. But they said, no, no, no. Jesus set the example. We're going to follow through. So what the disciples started doing is they started serving their community. They started using the gifts that they had been giving and following the example that had been laid out in front of them. And they started telling people about Jesus. Like, hey, that wasn't just a myth. It wasn't just false. That actually happened. We've seen it with our own eyes. We've followed him. They were teaching and preaching and performing miracles and all serving their community. And then what happens over a couple thousand years is the gospel starts spreading and the church begins to be planted. You see in Acts, the very beginning of the church, and then all of a sudden it goes to places like Philippi and Colossae and Ephesus and Thessalonica. And all these places are where we get these books, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Corinthians, all those are letters to those churches because they have been served and they have people tell them all about Jesus. And it's in one of those letters that we're going to pick up for just a minute and kind of see how we can emulate the example given to us from Jesus through his disciples. It says this in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and the first 11 verses are basically setting us up for saying, hey, all of you are different. All of you are wired different. Some of you have more public ability. Some of you have more private ability. Some of you are wired to do this. Some of you are wired to do this. And all of those things are good because they're all for the same purpose. And we're going to pick up in verse 12, and it says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, all made to drink of one spirit, basically saying, no matter your background in life, once you become a believer, we're all in this together. We're all part of one body. It says this in verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. For if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? What we see is this example to us when it comes to the body, the church, is that each and every one of us play an important role. Each and every one of us are wired differently to be different parts of the body. There's a reason I'm not up here for the first half of service singing. That's not my gift at all. We would probably lose our church, and that's why he doesn't let me do it. But some of them are phenomenal singers. Bobby turned to me during service and said, man, that band sounds really good. I'm like, yep, they sure do. They're wired differently. They serve in a different capacity. Some people are wired to be small group leaders. Some people are wired to serve in the community, but they're all part of the same body. Now, I don't know about you, but when you were in school, if you paid attention in anatomy class, but this is kind of one of our take-homes for the day, because there's just one part of the body that doesn't really have a purpose at all, and it's called the appendix. And our job is this, don't be the appendix. What is the appendix's purpose? I have no idea. I tried to research it. Is that something about from time to time it'll like have some fatty tissues that it just holds on to? That's my um, problem. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I have nothing holding on to my fatty tissues. My wife, after service, my wife works in the medical field. She's like, well, technically they can do this. I'm like, okay, you're going way too down the right. Like, that's not what it was designed to do. Ultimately, the appendix is not a useful part of the body. We can live just as fine without it. I mean, it can, it can do damage to the body, but it doesn't do much good stuff for the body. And while I say that in jest of don't be the, the appendix, our, our role as believers is to not just sit and never be useful. Now, we will say this. This is kind of a caveat. Yeah. There are seasons in our lives where we believe that sitting and soaking are 100% healthy and what we need to do. 
There are moments where we've been hurt in the past, that the church has hurt us, or maybe we're going through a season of life, a difficulty, or maybe we're dealing with a sin issue, something where we're like, hey, I just need to sit and soak for a while, 100% acceptable. That's what God would want us to do in those moments. But as believers, we're called to be active and activate our faith and to serve within the body and to be a useful part of the body. Now you're saying, okay, that's a little rough to be called an appendix, all right? Well, let's look at a different word. Let's look at the word lukewarm. It's kind of a weird word. But in the book of Revelation, it's kind of a scary book, I know, Revelation, but we've talked about it before. It's not that scary. It's actually really cool. But in the book of Revelation chapter 3, it says this in verses 15 and 16. It says, I know all the things you do. So what's happening is they're writing a letter to a church, and he's basically addressing an issue. He's saying, I know all the things you do. I've seen you serve. I've seen how you've treated your community. I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Really weird, right? Like scripture is weird when you read it. You're like, what does this even mean? Here's a little bit of context of this passage. This was written to the church in Laodicea. We talked about earlier how all these books in the New Testament are are letters written to churches. And Laodicea was in the middle of this area and there was a a lake right next to it and a river. And this river was completely pointless because it was nice and muddy and it was lukewarm and no one could ever use it. Now, about five miles away were these aqueducts, and these aqueducts would send water to the city. But these aqueducts were fed by really, really hot water, these hot springs. And if you were all the way there five miles away, it would be really useful. But by the time it traveled five miles to the city, it was lukewarm, and they couldn't even use it at all. What Jesus is saying here is, hey, don't be lukewarm. Everything you've been doing is completely useless for the body, because both hot and cold are useful. A lot of times we'll twist this scripture out of context and we'll be like, you need to be on fire for Jesus. Well, that's a good thing. But he said, hey, cold and hot are both useful for the body. Two completely different things, but that's okay. Let's look at it another way. Who here loves coffee? Anybody love coffee? All right, now we're about to really get into the nitty gritty. Duncan? Starbucks? Brew it at home because it's way cheaper? That's what I thought. All right, now we're going to see who the real Christians are. Ready? Iced coffee? Hot coffee? Sinners. Put your hands up. There's more for us than there's against us. Scripture says. (laughs) Iced coffee, hot coffee. One's cold, one's hot. They're both good. But you know what? There's people who drink different things. I only drink iced coffee. I drink it every day of my life. I will admit I'm probably addicted to it. If you were to walk in my office right now, there's a large Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee on my desk. Got to get it every Sunday morning. I also get one every Friday morning with my son and most days after work. <laughs> just confessional. It's okay. First, first part is just admitting it, all right? But you know what? I've never seen this man drink iced coffee. Nope. He only drinks hot coffee. Every morning he comes into work, he brews a fresh pot of coffee. And he grabs a coffee mug. Most of them are amazing. I can't even say what they say on them, but they're great. <laughs> but you know what? He brews hot coffee. And if you drink all the hot coffee without him getting his cup, you're in trouble. But you know what? Both of them are good. But you know what's not good? Lukewarm coffee. <laughs> All of you are like, oh, yeah. Like when that ice melts in that iced coffee and you take a sip of it, you're like, uh-uh. You just put it aside and then they stack up on the nightstand of the counter and you have like four of them over there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where that hot coffee, the steam's no more coming off of it anymore and that creamer starts to kind of rise to the top a little bit because you haven't drunk it fast enough. Lukewarm coffee's not good. No one has ordered a lukewarm coffee ever in the history of the world that I know of. If you have, let's have a talk. I don't know what's going on, but they're Tuesday, both good. Tuesday night connect groups. Yeah, I know. 
but hot and cold, different things in our lives, wired different ways. We can serve in different capacities. Cold water, you know what it does? It refreshes us whenever we're worn out. Someone whose gifts are the cold water type gifts, you know, they're going to bring life to you when someone's worn, they're just worn down. They can't do it anymore. You've been running and running and running life. You need someone who's gifting us cold water to refresh you. Someone who's, you know what, life is just miserable. They're cold. They can't do anything anymore. They need someone with hot water. They need someone to bring life back into them. Hot water also helps purify things that are bad in life. Hot water, cold water are both good. They're both part of the body. You may be sitting here thinking, that sounds great, Caleb. Like, I don't want to be an appendix. I want to be hot or cold water. I don't want to be lukewarm. But like, what do I do about it? Where, where can I start plugging in? And so for the next few minutes, we're going to talk about, Bobby, what does this look like here at Journey in the local body? Well, let me start out by saying this. A couple weeks ago and last week, I said, I don't want anybody walking out of here feeling they were guilted into anything. Okay, so today is not necessarily about we don't need 50 more volunteers and we need this person to do this. It's about presenting truth, the Bible, and going, okay, how does this apply, this rhythm apply to my life? Because if you want to know the truth, we have amazing volunteers around here. And when I say amazing, we have hundreds. So every year we do what's called a volunteer appreciation. Um, If you, how many people have ever been to our volunteer appreciations over the years? Okay, so. Uh, for two or three years, we did a, a big carnival outside. So we had a Ferris wheel and everybody's riding down the road going, what's going on at Journey? You have to be a volunteer to do that. And so we have a whole carnival, food, I mean, it's it free, you come out. This past year, we had Andrew Stanley, uh, a, a, a comedian here. And we've had other ones. We had Johnny W. who's making it with uh, Nate Bargatsky right now. So we never had Nate Bargatsky. Yet. Yet. He's due to come. No, he's not. (laughs) So be a volunteer. No. But so I want to say, when we sent out the invitations for that, we sent out 800 invitations. That's, That's the people that serve around here. So it's not about getting more servants. What do we say around here all the time? We don't, it's not getting something from you. It's we want something for you. We want you fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life. And serving in the local body is fulfilling that purpose in one way, shape, or form. And and some of you are going, well, I serve outside. That's great that you serve outside the church. I'm not going to try to stop you from that. But scripture tells us in Malachi, I read it last week, it says, bring to the storehouse. The storehouse is where you're being fed. That's this place right here. Okay, so if you call this the place you're being fed, you would want to use your time, your talents, and your treasures in this place. Okay, so here's, here's where we go. One of the areas of our church, it's the team that I'm a part of. You get to see it every week. Man, what they do in creative blows me out of the water. So if you can sing well, well, like just because you sound good in the shower doesn't mean we want you on stage. Here's a test. Ask somebody that you're not related to how you sound. That'll be a good indicator. Or if you play an instrument, like you play guitar, you play violin. Like this morning, I was, I was mesmerized by the violin this morning. Anybody else? It's such a haunting sound, but it, it's so, it, like, it drew me right in. So it was amazing. The, the, the team that was singing, they're, they're talented, okay? But you don't have to have that kind of talent necessarily to be on the creative team. During COVID, we couldn't get everybody together to do, um, do church but we were still trying to produce church. So we had already be, had been in contact with staff members. So we drew our staff members said, this is going to be, this is as far as we're going to let it go. We taught our staff members how to do, how to do camera. Tina did camera, who is part of the care group. Alan did camera, which is part of the... I mean, if Alan can do it... If Alan can do it... You can do it. You know, 
Allison, our, 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 one of our, our, our control sheet, like we, we taught people how to do. So we can teach you how to do these things right here. Um, not only this, but sound, you know, you, you, you have to be able to, you have to have an ear. You hear me on this? Like just because you play the radio doesn't mean you should be a sound engineer. But if you have an ear for it, we can train you these things. In the back right now, we have people working on computers. So that's, that's my... And those things are, are useful outside of you. Because right now in this room, you see like on these screens and it makes us look bigger so you can follow us and all that kind of stuff. Or you can hear us or if you're in the atrium. But there's literally hundreds of people who watch online every yep. week because of them. And we've had people come to our campus and get baptized and have found Jesus through our online services because of someone running a camera. Because without a camera and without audio, they can't see or hear us. Therefore, they don't have an online service. And so there's purposes outside of these four walls that people who serve inside these four walls yep. And we're going to talk reach. about Sherwood in a minute, but, yep. but we simulcast. So every week we, we send the video feed. This is the, this is the, service, the, the, the service experience that gets sent down there. So they have a team of people down there. But if we didn't do our job on, on this side, they don't get it down there. And so there'll, there'll be 150, 160 people that they'll have church but they're not going to have what we're doing up here. So um, what else, Caleb? Yeah, in our area, Next Steps, we are always looking for group leaders. A couple weeks ago, we talked about community and the importance of it and finding your people to do life with. And that may sound a little bit daunting of like, I, don't, I can't sit here and, and teach a whole lesson to people. Sometimes it's just opening your home and saying, hey, come into my house. I have a place that we can gather and we can just do life together. And so a lot of people, they eat a meal together because believe it or not, we are a Baptist church and we love to eat together. And so they gather a meal and they Some pray together. Know that. I know, I'm sorry, I broke the news. But they gather a meal together, they pray together, they do life together. That's important. And we want people to do that. And so maybe you're like, hey, a couple weeks ago you talked about group leaders. It's something that, you know, it's in my heart. I've done it before, but I haven't taken that step forward. Maybe God today is saying, hey, this is where you fit in the body as being group leaders. We also need Campus Connection volunteers on Sundays. We have literally hundreds, of and, hundreds and then thousands of people who come on this campus and our Sherwood campus each and every week. People coming, and you know what the best test for this is, Bobby? How do we test people? Okay, for so I need you to all do me a favor. Just, just imitate me right now. <laughs> all right, you 400 can do volunteers. That, 400 volunteers right go. there. We got Angie. You're fully staffed for the next two years. We have 400 people who can smile. We're good. But no, people who can smile, welcome them in. Because you know the most important thing for a new person here, it's just feeling welcome. Yep. We hear it all the time. New guests will come. They want to walk in. Maybe some of you are there today. We hope that you experience this, that you just had someone smile, welcome you. They can walk you around. They can tell you, hey, here's what Journey is all about. I've been here for X amount of months, and we just love this place. And it's, it's full so of life. real quick, I know we only have a couple more minutes, You're but good. today, that's right. We are good. good. I'm in charge of this thing. Tell Journeyland. A few more minutes. We're good. So between services, we were kind of joking around about this, and I happened to smile somebody and walked them to where the children's check-in is uh, before first service. Well, lots of times I do that. I do it like frequently. Well, between the, the last service and this service, the lady walked up to me. She goes, I didn't know you are the pastor. <laughs> I was like, that's what Publix does, right? If they can do it at Publix, they should be able to do it. The manager of the store walks people around to get this stuff. We should be able to do it here, right? We want people to feel comfortable. So um, Journeyland's another one. Yep, so here's, here's what's cool about Journeyland. We were told this by our Journeyland children's pastors that you don't even like, I have to like kids. We hope be, you do. We hope you do. But. but you don't have to like them. Meaning this, there's a lot of administrative tasks. So just because you don't want to get in a classroom with kids doesn't mean you can't check kids in. There's people walking around with iPads all over the place checking kids in. When we have big events, there's people, extension 45, they have people that all they do is check in. They don't like their own kids, so they're not going to like your kids, <laughs> but, they, but they like being a servant. So that's another area that you can be a part of. Okay? You know, we have our student ministry. Our students, 
if you have a student, you know the importance of having godly men and women in their life, and they're always looking for more group leaders, and they're in a season now where you can come hang out on Wednesdays for a couple of months, and come summer and fall time, they can get you plugged into your sweet spot of where student ministry uh, could use you as part of the body, but they also do production as well, so maybe you can't serve on Sundays quite often, but you say, hey, Wednesdays I'm free, you can come and do production, but our student ministry is always looking for volunteers as well, and then Bob, we have a whole other campus we've referenced a few times and Sherwood is a copy and paste of what we do. We have a campus pastor down there. We have two employees. We have children's ministry down there. We have worship. So it's a copy and paste of what we do here. So maybe you, maybe you want to serve down there, and maybe that's an opportunity for you. Or part of Beautiful Feet. That's another area that's on both campuses, but we do a lot of stuff down there. That seems to be uh, where God's using us a lot in Beautiful Feet. As a matter of fact, we found a need out that there's a need right now that we need somebody just to drive the truck, the, the uh, box truck, on Tuesdays from this campus to that campus with all the supplies and back and forth. Uh, right before Christmas, we talked about, about this trailer that we're going to get, the service trailer for our community. So we've got all the money for it. We've already found the trailer. We're waiting on our permitting. We're hoping to go live in that in the next two to four weeks. But we're going to have to have people that drive that around to different communities where we can do that stuff. And so you don't need to know every book of the Bible. You don't need to know you know any book of the Bible. Yeah. Like just, just, just be a servant. And so yeah, and- a lot of good opportunities. What if somebody's sitting here, they're watching a line, they're in the atrium watching Sherwood, and they're like, those all sound great, Bobby well, and Caleb, but that's not me. I, I can't do any of those things. Yeah. We've, we've heard that before, and so pe- people freak out like, I can't sing, or I can't whatever. We actually did an on-ramp, which is our, like, you want to find out about Partner One Journey, we did it years ago, and there was the sweetest lady that was there that day, and, and she's still one of, she's one of our best friends, uh, and she said, she's Bobby, I, I, don't, I don't have any of those talents, and I don't know what, I said, what do you like to do? She goes, I like to cook. And I said, look at me. I like to eat. <laughs> and you know what happened? We started our breakfast club, which services our creative team on Sunday mornings because they get here at 6, 6, 6, 6.15, 6.30, and they're here until 1.15, 1.30. And so we said, you know what? We're going to do a meal. And she started from somebody that didn't think that they had any gifts starting a thing. There's another one. We did a series. I did a series called Design By, yeah. and I think he's actually here in this room right now. But Yeah, we had someone come to us and say, hey, like I want to really use my passion in my everyday work life and really add Jesus to it. And so we had someone, uh, Dr. O, as we call him, he came to us and said, hey, I'm an oncologist, but you know what? I really want to add this element of faith to the people I meet and the people that come to me because it's a time of, honestly, a time of hurt. And so we created something um, called Cancer Care through a couple of meetings with him over time. It fit really with what Journey was looking for. And what it allowed us to do is to walk through this season of life with people. And so it's a seasonal group of people who come together and they support one another, all because of one person said, hey, this is my heart. I feel like it lines up with what Journey has a passion for. And we had those conversations and allow that to happen. And so maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, hey, this is something that's been in my heart for a long time. I've never even shared it. I never know what to do with it, but today this is what I want to do. And so some next steps from here, it's kind of like, where do we go from here? We say everything's the next step. And so here's a next step for us today. If you're already serving an area, thank you. Yep. Thank you for what you're doing. If you're in a season of sitting and soaking, thank you for doing what you feel like you need to do in your life. But if you're in here sitting saying, hey, I really want to get plugged in. I want to start taking a next step. Over in our atrium at the big wooden wall, as we like to reference it, uh, there's going to be people over there after service representing each area of ministry. And they just have some sign-up sheets. They can have some conversations with you, help you get connected. You can say, hey, they said this in there, and it really struck a nerve in me. And I feel like this is the part of the body I need to be in area I need to serve. Or maybe you have an idea and you want to cast it to somebody. There's multiple people over there after service that we would love to connect you with and help you start being a purposeful part of the body, the useful part of the body that he has designed each and every one of us to be. Well, hey, uh, next week, yep. we are starting a brand new series yep. called NIL, 
And um, I heard there was a challenge on staff. The most of us, we get more NIL, the better. Yeah, whoever gets the most NIL money. Yeah, so NIL, if you're not familiar with sports, it's name, image, and likeness, and that's why college athletes get paid. But our series is not quite Mm -hmm. what you think. The name, image, and likeness that's on our life is a little bit different. So we're starting that next week on Super Bowl Sunday. And speaking of Super Bowl Sunday, we want to encourage you to wear your favorite team's jersey next week, no matter the sport. Whether it's baseball or basketball or football, professional or college, or even pickleball, whatever you want to wear. Pickleball doesn't have uniforms. I don't know. I'm just, (laughs) who knows. But wear your jersey next week. We're going to have some fun around here. It's going to be a good time. We're all going to be in this together. We're looking forward to starting that new series, celebrating the Super Bowl together. Chiefs? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. That's that's all I care about. Yep. The over-under is Taylor will be seeing more than Kelsey. Yep, that's true. All right. Let's pray. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the series rhythms, and I, I pray that we have developed a strategy for our life. And we started this whole series out with a question, what do I want to look like in five years? And so these rhythms will help us get to that point in our lives where we will be, we will be on, our, in pur- on purpose at, at a certain place in our lives, that we would intentionally uh, be at the place that you called us to be. So thank you for just being with us today. Thank you for wor- uh, allowing us to worship you. Most of all, thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.